0: I'm gonna Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Live with CDP podcast on this Thursday, March 24th, uh, Season 3, Episode 21. And this is my 131st episode of Live with CDP CDP podcast. And I know Tim's probably not going to like my hat, but uh, I'm a lifetime Pistons fan. But uh, I really appreciate uh, Tim St. Clair, uh, the public address announcer for the Chicago Bulls. Chicago Bears, Chicago uh, Fire of the Major League Soccer League, and Illinois uh, Basketball Program as well. And I'm going to talk today to Tim about his career in radio and public address announcing, and uh, who's his pick in the uh, March Madnesses. I know Michigan is playing Villanova uh, tonight at 729. Michigan wasn't even supposed to be in the Sweet 16, so... Anything here now is a bonus for the Michigan Wolverines. So just bear with me, guys. And I'm going to bring on the uh, uh, public address announcer of uh, the Bulls, the Bears, and the Chicago Fire. And uh, I'm looking forward to speaking to Tim today. So, hey, good afternoon, Tim. How are you doing? great chris how are you i'm not too bad i'm a little under the weather i uh first time in two years i picked up a bug so oh
1: um, man yeah hard to hear that
0: yeah so i'll be okay uh, like i said it just just uh, i avoided it for two years and then uh yesterday so um i'm hoping i can uh fight it off pretty quick
1: yeah, here's hoping. But I guess if it's going to happen now, it's probably the best time for it in the grand scheme of things. So
0: well, yeah, and the weather here right now is not that great. It's only right. like uh, forty degrees and overcast and dreary. So, it's, so it's better to happen now than in June or July when the weather's nicer.
1: Right, for sure.
0: So, um, anyways, uh, how are you doing today? Pretty good.
1: Yeah, really good. Um, nice to have a couple of days off here. And so I'm uh, enjoying getting other things done around the house and trying to, um, you know, get the list of things checked off so that uh, when I'm on the road again, head back to Chicago, I don't have to worry about it.
0: How was the game the other night in Milwaukee?
1: Yeah, it was fun to go see. Um, a group of our staff from the Bulls went up to Milwaukee and watched the Bulls and Bucks. And while the game certainly wasn't, you know, what we wanted it to be, it was a whole lot of fun to uh, to get to see another arena and another staff and sort of how they do things. And um, so we really enjoyed it. It was good.
0: It's a nice looking arena. I haven't been to a game there yet, but I've been to Milwaukee and in the uh, outside of it, and it looks beautiful.
1: Yeah, it really is. It is beautiful. And they've it's pretty steep when you get way up to the top, but a uh, good view pretty much for everybody, as far as I could tell. And uh it looked and sounded great.
0: I was gonna say, um, right now in the east, I-, I still think it's gonna come down to Milwaukee, Chicago, Philly, and some people laugh at me when I say this, but the Toronto Raptors, I wouldn't sleep on.
1: Yeah, it man, the east is just bonkers, and it it blows my mind that in theory, um, that the Brooklyn and Milwaukee, one of them could knock the other one out in the first round, it because Brooklyn is likely going to have a seven or an eight seed, and Milwaukee will likely be a one or a two. So, you know, one of those two teams is likely going to be gone. You know, after that first week and a half of the playoffs, which is just mind boggling. But uh, that's how the East is, and uh, there there aren't really any easy games, I don't think, once you get to get to the playoffs.
0: I was going to say that the bulls have been pretty good at the United center this year, 26 and 10 it's on the road. They've been a little inconsistent at 16 and 20.
1: Yeah. And you know, some of that's been, and everybody's dealt with varying versions of it, but uh, health, whether it be COVID or actual injuries, um, we were really weighted pretty heavy with home games early and then have gone on a, like March. I think there's only four bulls home games all month. So, um, we had a lot early. And so part of that is, you know, we had a little bit better health early, had a few more home games early. And so I think that's part of what played into that. Um, but if we could just snag a, a four seed rather than the five in the first round to have uh, home court advantage, I certainly would take it.
0: That'd be huge. And right now you're uh, battling the Cavaliers and the Raptors for that uh, five, six, seven spot. So uh, every game now is basically like a playoff game.
1: It's going to make it fun, for sure, and uh, we just played the Raptors at home the other night and won it. We've got Cleveland coming up again on the road. Hopefully, we can take that one, uh, New Orleans, tonight. So, there are uh, a lot of winnable games, but there are going to be some tough games, too, especially in early April uh, for the Bulls. So, just have to wait and see, and then, uh, you know, play the team you're dealt once we get to the playoffs.
0: Definitely. I'm just hoping the Pistons next year uh, can add some more veteran presence with the young players. Because I'd like to see Detroit-Chicago rivalry get back to what it was in the 80s and and early 90s.
1: I wouldn't mind that at all. You mentioned me not liking your hat. I actually grew up in Detroit, so I was a Pistons fan until, well, right through their championship years is when we moved to Illinois. And so um, it was a really great transition for me because the Pistons won two in a row. And then I moved to Illinois, and then the Bulls went on their stretch of six, six of eight. Six, so yeah. uh, I really got very, very fortunate, and there's still definitely a soft spot in my heart for Detroit, although I am a obviously yeah. sold-out Bulls fan.
0: Well, no, and it's understandable. And uh, like you said, I said, I still can't get over that 88 NBA Finals loss to the Lakers. That game seven, we really – the Pistons really should have won. But we made up for it in 4 when we, the Pistons were the underdogs against the, uh, the Lakers, but still uh, – it was just tremendous basketball back in the
1: '80s and '90s. Uh, yeah, it was, and that was you know my my growing up years. So the the two posters on my wall as a kid were Isaiah Thomas and Michael Jordan, and so um, I you know grew up idolizing those guys and those teams. And now to get the chance to to sit courtside and and work those games is pretty cool.
0: Yeah. My favorite Pistons on that bad boy team, Isaiah Thomas, obviously, but Joel Dumars, I think was the best defensive player in the NBA and very underrated in my opinion.
1: Yeah, he was great. And you know, we had a number of those guys that if you were on your team, you loved them, but everybody else hated them. The Rick Mahorn and Bill Lane beer and Dennis Rodman for a few of those years. So, um, they had a really good blend of uh you know exactly what you needed to win a couple championships and thankfully that's what they did
0: yeah definitely and i was going to say uh we've been lucky to try it in Detroit too you know in my time we've only had two pa announcers, uh, ken calvert and yep. uh, john mason who's done it for the last what 20 years 22 years at
1: least yeah yeah and, and, and those just legendary guys there and uh, george blaha doing play by play um my dad and i when i lived when we lived in michigan so i would have been eight, nine, ten years old, my dad used to in the driveway when we were shooting around, do George's calls. He'd, you know, put one off the backboard. He'd be like, high glass are good. You know, and we just, that was what we did. Um, and then a couple of years ago, my dad came to a game where we were playing the Pistons and uh, I brought him down to the court to meet George and, uh, the wow. three of us took a picture together and we told the story and he, I've seen him a number of times at different events, but it was fun for me to get to introduce my dad to the guy that we used to imitate all those years ago.
0: And, uh, he had been, he's been the voice of the Pistons since 1976 when they were in the Cobo Hall Arena downtown before yeah. the, the Silverdome.
1: And I, and I didn't realize until I was doing an Illinois football game uh, when Michigan state came to play that he was doing Michigan state games too. So, um, he, he's a little bit of everywhere and obviously a legend and a, a great guy. And so every time I get a chance to say hi to him, we'll sit and talk for a few minutes.
0: Yeah. He's just, uh, bl- I believe he's missing the rest of the year. He ha- he's having some, uh, uh, surgery done on his heart. So I'm hoping cross my fingers. He can come back next yeah. uh, uh, season. And and then one thing, Tim, I've learned about talking to people from public address announcers, play-by-play guys, guys in the radio industry, everybody stays in it for a long time. And obviously, it's a good environment to be in. And uh, like I said, uh, just yourself. And then uh, um, I've had Tommy Edwards on, who's a legend. And I was shocked I was able to get him to come on and... Uh, I've had some other PA guys from the St. Louis Blues, Tom Calhoun, come on, who's done it from 87. It just seems like everyone who's a public address announcer uh, likes to do it for a long time.
1: Yeah, that's the interesting thing. It makes it a great job if you can get it, but they it makes it very hard to get. Um, I realized when the Bulls and the Bears job came open at the exact same time, within a month of each other, uh, back in 2019, uh, both guys announced they would be leaving uh either during the season or at the end of the season and you know Tommy Edwards had started in 1976 and then did it for a bunch of years before Ray Clay took over and then Tommy came back uh and uh Jim Reband had been doing it for the uh for the bears since 82 or 83 I wow. think so in their Wow. been there 37 or 38 years and I knew that if I didn't get those jobs right then I probably wouldn't get them um, and so, you know, I, I, feel very fortunate that they came up at the same time and I happen to be in the right time and place to be able to, to apply for them, but, um, they're, they're so difficult. And if you think about it, it's, it's harder to be the coach. <laughs> in terms of percentages obviously there's a totally different skill set um or or the starting point guard you know you may go through five or ten of those in a 15 year span and you still just have the one pa guy so uh, when that job comes open if you're if you're in that industry you got to go after it and hope you get it
0: and that's what i was told too i'm trying to get in the radio industry and uh any opportunity i get tim i'm going to try to take advantage of it and and do it because you should never say no to opportunities when there's a chance to to move
1: yeah, I always say people ask for advice, and I always say you need ability, availability, and humility. Uh, so ability, you got to be good. Um, you've got to work hard at getting better. But you, when you get the opportunity to work, you have to be available, and you have to be willing to put other things to the side to do even what might feel like small jobs, because just getting your foot in the door to work is a huge part of the job. Because you never know who you're going to meet or who might be able to make a decision in the future or whatever. And then humility, once you get there, you got to be easy to work with. And so those are the three things that I've tried to bring to the table. And um, so far, so good.
0: And uh, flexibility, that's the one thing I've even learned doing a podcast. Hey, when a guest says they can come on a certain time, I, I do my very best to arrange my schedule with theirs because I know how busy uh, people in your profession can be. So that's one thing I've learned with Rogers TV, which is a, a major cable company in Toronto that owns all the Toronto teams as a camera operator is to be flexible and uh, don't pass up opportunities as well.
1: Yeah, the the schedules are made by people way up the chain with the NBA and you know NFL and Major League Soccer and NCAA for me. So I just know that when those schedules come out, I put them on my calendar. Everything else gets moved to the side, and then I work my life around those. Um, and and obviously that's appreciated by the teams. Often it's required because you sign a contract. Uh, but even on lower levels, like if you have a chance for someone calls and says, "Hey, can you work this game, man?" That, that goes a whole long way for them calling you again if you can do it.
0: Definitely, and uh, that's what I'm trying to do with my podcast. And I'm actually doing some uh, media work for the National Basketball League of Canada, which is a, a semi-pro basketball league here. And they're giving me an opportunity after each game to speak to the coaches and players on their Zoom conference calls. So that's giving me experience as well.
1: Nice. Well, the more you can get it, uh, obviously the more you should do it. And hopefully that'll lead to bigger things.
0: Definitely. I was going to say, what was it like following in the footsteps of those two Chicago legends uh, for the, the Bears and the Bulls and the public address announcers?
1: Yeah, it's, you know, it's hard, um, especially in what I consider to be the greatest sports city in the world. Um, and with the Bulls introductions, the most visible, widely recognized introduction sequence in the world. Uh, you walk into that with a, a bit of fear and trembling, but um, I also knew that they hired me for a reason the team did and and my hope was that the fans would kind of follow suit once we we jumped in. Um, my goal is never to imitate anyone. Uh, I'm going to be me and I'm going to be authentic and real and I think that comes through and ultimately is gonna be you know serve me better than trying to be somebody I'm not but also a, sorry oh that's right you, you but you also have to follow um, some traditions, right? So we still do the man in the middle and, you know, we still use Sirius as the starting lineups for, for the bulls, because that has become an institution in and of itself since, you know, the mid eighties. So the goal is to just do your best to be authentic, to reflect what the crowd is or should be feeling. And ideally, you know, it may take a little time, but fans will come along. I've been really fortunate. I feel like I, every once in a while you'll hear somebody who's just wants to complain about something, but in general, the feedback has been phenomenal from both the bulls and the bears. And, um, I'm, I'm really grateful for that. And, uh, hopefully we're building new traditions and a new legacy that in, you know, 20 or 30 years, somebody else will get to jump in and take over from there.
0: I was going to say they still use the same, uh, opening intro song, but they've tweaked it a little bit, haven't they?
1: There are a number of different versions of that song uh, of of series by the Alan Parsons project. I think it's the Ethan Stoller remix right now that they, that they use, but it's, it's very, very similar. It's just got a little bit more drive and punch to it and a bass line and some things like that, but uh, it's instantly recognizable. And for most the hair stands up on their arms when it starts playing and you get a few chills, which is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, and uh, I wish the Pistons would go back to the final countdown. Obviously, it wasn't as popular as uh, the Bulls one. But when I hear the final countdown, I think of Isaiah, Joe Dumars, Bill Lambier, one of my favorite Pistons of all time. So I think it's important for NBA teams to have an opening intro that the fans really have a passion for.
1: Yeah, I agree. That's what I think of when I hear that song, too, because that, that was those were my growing up years. So um, I'm glad that um, they've stuck with that tradition and yet allowed me to, you know, put my spin on it. And, um, you know, people are resonating with it, which is great.
0: Definitely. Um, are you still OK for some questions?
1: Sure. Yeah, let's go.
0: Okay, first one I wanted to ask you is, can you tell my Canadian audience here near Toronto uh, just a little bit about yourself, and when did you decide you wanted to pursue a career in broadcasting, radio, and even do some public address announcing?
1: Well, forever, I thought I was going to be an architect. (laughs) Um, I had gotten started in junior high and high school, drawing plans and working for builders, and I got accepted to architecture school at the University of Illinois, and that was my plan. And uh, near the end of my freshman year, I realized I needed something to do to make a little extra money while I was at college. And I happened to know a guy who had built a career for himself in radio, and I asked if he needed some help. And he said, do you want to be on the air? And I went, sure. And uh, that was the start of my radio career. Uh, I was not very good, but I I liked it. I was what they say, uh, they call it bit by the radio bug. And you realize, wait, someone will pay me to talk listen to music, etc., And so um, that's when I really decided that communication was something I should get into. Uh, I never mixed that with sports for quite some time. It was about 12 years ago or so uh, that I got the opportunity to, someone said, you should audition for a public address opening they had at the University of Illinois. You like sports, you talk, it would make sense. And so I auditioned and literally didn't hear anything for an entire year and they all of a sudden needed help at a baseball game and found my resume on the bottom of a stack somewhere i'm sure and called and asked if i'd be willing to come help and same thing kind of happened i don't think i was very good but i loved it and so in the fall when they asked me to come back and do a i think a wrestling meet or a swimming and diving event or something i jumped at the opportunity and then You know, over time, they start to happen more and more frequently. And once you realize you can do it, you want to do more of it and you start looking for opportunities. And so then Chicago Fire job came along and eventually the Illinois men's basketball job and then the Pacers and, you know, the wheels start spinning from there.
0: I love hearing stories like that. Uh, how I got into this was by was kind of by accident. Uh, I was volunteering with the basketball team here, a pro basketball team. They needed a camera operator because one of them went home sick. And I'd never done camera work in my life. And uh, they basically asked me to come in. The producer would show me what to do. And I actually did the rest of the game. They actually paid me for it. Uh, They referred me to Rogers TV as a camera operator, and that led me to my podcast. So it was just, I got a taste of the broadcasting bug doing camera work, and it ended up now leading me into doing my own podcast.
1: Yeah, everybody's got a story, and a lot of them sound fairly similar. It was not always expected. Some people have known what they want to do forever, but most kind of fall into it or back into it or whatever, and uh, you know, it's fun to hear those stories.
0: Yeah, it only took me almost 48 years to finally figure out what I wanted to do. I always had a passion, Tim, for talking sports, but I never had uh, the platform back in the 90s when I was in school uh, for uh, doing broadcasting like we have now. So um, I'm just grateful I have this opportunity to have people like yourself on and, and Tommy Edwards and even Chuck Sworsky come on, come on as well.
1: Technology is a wonderful thing, and um, it, it makes all these things so much easier. And uh, you've got a, a good lineup with those guys. I've I've, I've met and talked with them both. Uh, Chuck's actually a good friend of mine. So um, yeah, you you got a good group there.
0: Oh, absolutely. And that's another reason I'd like to get in the radio not just the money or the fame or any of that stuff. It's because everyone I've met in your industry has been so great, uh, supportive of what I'm trying to do. And it just makes me want to more. Motiv- it keeps motivating me more and to keep learning and improving all the time.
1: Well, not everyone is that way, but I would say most are. And I think mm-hmm. it's because they know that it's hard. Um, and it's not just people like, oh, you get to talk for a living. That sounds easy. Uh, it's definitely not. There's way more to it than that. Um, <laughs> so, uh, those, those who do it and who do it really, really well, uh, always at, at least in general, try to like helping others who are, who are looking to do the same thing.
0: Well, I appreciate it. And I'm trying to get my reps and I've been doing three, four or five podcasts a week for the last two years. So I'm just hopefully, uh, keep improving every week I do this.
1: Uh, good for you. Yeah, that's great.
0: Thank you. Um, The next question you already answered, where you went to school. Did you have any other mentor a mentor or mentors who helped you out when you were starting out in the industry, Tim?
1: Not in the sports world, really. Um, In broadcasting, I did. I I worked in Chicago for a couple of years at a radio station. I was producing a morning show there. And there was a guy who'd been in the business a very long time who, you know, there are still adages that I will... um, reply to somebody with that he taught me and who had no idea I was going to be doing any work in sports, but just either in life or in broadcasting in general. And so um, that was my major mentor growing up. His name was Mark. And um, I haven't talked to him in years and years, but I definitely remember a lot of things he taught me. Uh, in In the sports world, it's been more of a, I just have to feel it and read the room and kind of figure out, you know, what can i do to impact an audience or how should i be reacting with to what the audience is already feeling and then try to craft what i'm doing around that um and and also like we talked about earlier to be uniquely me when the bears uh, were talking to me about the job they're like we need a, a call when the bears are on third down defense like all the nfl teams have and it feels like every single team does the it's third While that, I guess, is effective um, for some, I didn't want to do that. It was not me. It was, to me, just copying and pasting what somebody else did. So I brought to the table, and I was like, this will either get me the job or lose me the job. Um, We do, bear down, it's third down, and it's more drawn out than that. Um, But that seemed to use (laughs) what's been the fabric of the bears for years and years um, and yet turn it into something that's new and hopefully fun for the crowd. Um, and man, that instantly got picked up on. And so, um, things like that are, are really more from my brain and a bit of a trial and error, but, uh, thankfully most of them have worked.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, and, and that's exactly what a lot of the guys have said to me on my show. Uh, be yourself. Don't try to be someone that you're not.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's people can see, you know, um, there are some who are like, I'm going to be loud and at turned up to 11 all the time. Um, but people know that's disingenuous because no fan is ever like that. You rise and fall with how the team's playing. And um, so that's why I always say we need to reflect what the crowd is or should be feeling, not just I'm going to do it my way, regardless of what's happening on the court or on the field or regardless of how the fans are feeling. You know, if, if the bulls hit the first three of the game, it's three points, uh, Zach Levine or whoever, but if you're down 30 in the fourth quarter, that's going to be dialed back a little bit. If it's a tight game and there's a minute to play, then that's going to be dialed way up. And it's just, it can't be the same all the time because if it is, people will think of you as a robot and not someone who's actually like them who really cares about the game
0: absolutely and uh like i said i've had some guys on from uh public address announcing in canada too and they said the same thing as well the fans can they can tell if you're not being uh generous and sincere uh behind the mic
1: yeah for sure it's uh you don't think of it that way because most people are like oh you're a a voice without a head or without a body and it's but um if you really think about it and you really watch and experience kind of what goes on in an arena it, it doesn't work that way at all So.
0: And and when I was growing up, I listened to famous PA, uh, PA. I would identify uh, with the Tigers with their PA announcer, John Bell, I believe. And then uh, the Blue Jays, um, Murray Alden did it for 27 years. Uh, You identify with the broadcasters, obviously. But when you go to a stadium or an arena, you identify with that PA announcer. It's so important for the fans, too.
1: It's just part of the fabric of the game. I've always wanted, I feel like I should be kind of like, the sound of the band, the smell of the popcorn, the, the look of the court or the uniform, it's just part of the experience, and it makes you feel comfortable, and if any of those things stand out dramatically in one way or the other, it's it's a distraction from the real point of the game. So my goal has been to live in that lane. It doesn't always work perfectly, but I certainly give it a shot.
0: When you took over the Bulls' PA announcing, um, did you have any conversations with Tommy Edwards, who retired, I believe, in 2020, I believe?
1: Not before I started, uh, Ray Clay sent me an email. Um, and so I communicated with him briefly. Uh, I have since talked with them both. Uh, in fact, I've got a podcast that'll be coming out here fairly soon. Um, and one of the episodes is the three of us all talking about how the thing started, um, in terms of the introductions for the bulls and it's, it's fascinating stuff, but, um, they're not big advice givers, nor nor am I, if someone was stepping into a role that I used to do for the reasons we've just talked about, you know, in, in order to be yourself, if you get too micromanaged or too much outside input, you're going to probably give up some of that. And so they've been helpful and supportive, um, okay. and we share stories, but in terms of advice, uh, we've all kind of steered clear of that.
0: Do you have any rituals before a game, like a bulls, beers, fire game, or Illinois basketball, any kind of rituals you do before a game?
1: You know, very few. I, I bring, I've I seen some PA guys on forums and stuff. They've got this backpack or or briefcase full of stuff that they bring so that they can lay it all out and get – I, I bring a pen. Literally, that's the only thing I bring to a game is a, is a ballpoint pen. Um, And really, my job is to go read through the script – make any notes that I need to make about different ways to say things or things that when I'm reading through might trip me up, Uh, look through pronunciations. If I need to look up something on the NBA website or the major league soccer website to get something more specific, I do or go talk to one of the sports info people to try to make sure I get that right. Um, And then I usually have a water and a diet Dr. Pepper with me um, to, to help keep the voice lubricated. And then other than that, Uh, that's about it so there's there's no warm-ups there's no exercises there's no uh, that i do there are people who do but um for me um man i just go sit down make sure i'm prepared and then uh, let the game get going
0: and that's another thing you just said there too whatever you're doing in this industry it's always good to be prepared do your homework
1: yeah i and people ask me all the time do you get nervous no uh if i'm prepared I'm not nervous at all. There's nothing to be nervous about um, because I'm ready to go. I know how to say the names. I'm familiar with the process of of the game or I've read through my script. Um, and after that, it's just, it's fun. It's performance time. And um, I, I really, I get excited. I get anxious to start. Um, but as long as I feel like I have what I need in front of me, um, there, there's no reason to be nervous.
0: Okay. Um, what's the hardest name you've had to pronounce so far?
1: There are a bunch I like to uh, throw out there. I would say um, there was a women's basketball player at the University of Illinois from Greece. A lot of tough Greek names. And uh, her name is Nancy and Andritopoulou. And uh, that wouldn't even all fit on her jersey. So they just used the first half. So technically, we would just say Nancy Panayotopoulou. Um, but that was probably the most syllables and most difficult to learn. Uh, in the NBA, you got Sviatoslav Luke, and uh, Wabu wawu Um In soccer, there's a lot of Eastern European and African names that can be difficult. We had a Kennedy Igbo Ananike once and, uh, who played for the fire. So there's a bunch of fun ones um, once you learn to say them, uh, but you got to practice. And then once you know it, even with Giannis, you know, don't look at a Adenokounmpo too closely because you'll start transposing letters. Or a lot of those letters don't say what in English they would normally say. And so it can get very confusing. So memorize it and then don't worry about the rest.
0: I was going to say, do you ever talk to the, some of the players about it? Or are you used to kind of...
1: In college, sometimes. Yeah. Um, in the pros, generally not. They okay. They've given their pronunciation to their staff. And so their PR directors have put it into the system. Um, and sometimes they'll come over and, and go over it with you. One of the PR people. Um, but I, you know, those guys are doing other stuff and they've put processes in place for us to get it right without having to talk to them about it. So, uh, in general, I don't, sometimes I'll go listen to somebody pronounce it on YouTube, like, uh, um, uh, Nikola, v- uh, Vucevic, you know, how do you say, is it Nikola or Nikola? Uh, and same with Jokic. Is it Nikola or Nikola Jokic. Um And so just to hear how they say it, I try to mimic that if I can. But in general, it's all provided for us.
0: I was going to say, I was going to ask you, I was, I was going to ask you something, but I, I, I just lost my train of thought on this.
1: That's all right. Um, it happens. If it's important, yeah. it will come back.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. Um, okay. I'll just do my next question. If it comes back, I'll, I'll talk to you about it. Do you remember your first bowls game at the United center and just skip the other part about being nervous, I guess.
1: Uh, I do. Um, and it was weird for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, it was a preseason game, so it wasn't really that important. Anyway, I believe Oh, now I'm going to get it was either Houston or OKC. I don't remember which now uh, I want to say OKC and but there were no fans. When I started, it was during COVID. And so nobody was in the building other than uh, the two teams and the officials and the few people who could work the scorers table. So that was weird in and of itself. Although I had worked the the NBA bubble, I was used to doing games with with nobody at them. Um having that be your very first game with the bulls and trying to give the energy you need to give and to be yourself while not having a crea- a crowd to react to, or to react to you, that was a little strange, but uh, you know, we got through it and uh, ultimately everything was fun.
0: And uh, it's definitely not the same being in an arena or a stadium without fans. So I'm, I'm sort of glad we we've opened up here in Ontario and again, and it's just nice to be around the fans. They do make an impact even on a TV broadcast or a radio broadcast, just to, for them getting into the
1: game. And different leagues had different rules for how much crowd noise could be piped in, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, so that helped to an extent. Like the NBA, we could try to make it feel like there was a real crowd in the building with rising and falling crowd noise and applause and cheers. Uh, It was all digital. Uh, The NFL allowed it on television, but they didn't allow it in the stadium. So you had to just keep your dull roar at whatever level you picked, and it was that way the whole game. So depending on what you were working made for a a slightly different environment, but man, it's so nice to have fans back in the buildings and uh, I, I, I wouldn't want it to go back for anything.
0: Absolutely. Now I remember what I wanted to ask you. I know when I talked to Mike Ross, who's a public address announcer for the Maple Leafs, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet, does a great job for the Maple Leafs at the uh, School shebank Arena. He says the NHL has a website for all the public address announcers. Does the NBA have a website for all you guys as well with name on a on a website?
1: Yeah, there's a portal uh, okay. that we can log into and um, check out pronunciations and team rosters. And a lot of the, the broadcast guys use it, TV and radio, for getting, you know, stats and things too. So I don't access it very often just because most of the guys I know now. Um, but it, it is helpful for us to be able to log in and check if you're uh, confused by one.
0: Okay, no problem. Uh, next question, are you still good for time, Tim, or are you still okay for time? Yeah, a few minutes, sure. Okay, no problem. What is a normal day like on a game day for, like, doing the Bulls, Bears, fire, the Illinois basketball team? Obviously, you answered my other question already, the r- rituals. But what's a normal game day like for you, like, in the morning when you wake up?
1: Yeah, I um, I don't like getting up early if I don't have to. So most I believe, days yeah. I don't. Um, I, it, it's just I got up. Do- I did morning radio for years and years, and I was up between 3.30 and 4.30 every morning. <laughs> so now that I don't have to do that anymore, I, uh, I avoid it if I can um, typically I'll spend the day doing whatever it is I need to get done. Um, whether I'm doing voiceover work or, you know, just errands and email and you know, whatever. But, um, most teams I have to be there between two and three hours early depends on, on the team. Um, but for the bulls, for example, if it's a seven o'clock tip time, I've got to be there at four. Um, we have rehearsals for usually an hour to an hour and a half, where we go through all the different elements between uh quarters at the halftime timeout breaks uh we'll go through introductions sometimes if we need to and just make sure everybody's on the same page because you got audio and camera and video and public address and performers and there's lots of moving parts so that happens and then at 5 30 um we head back to eat there's a a meal for for us at, at every event i do which is a nice perk you get you get fed at every uh, every event. And uh, that's about when doors open and then by shortly after 6 you got, you know, 30 40 minutes to eat and then head back out to the arena and that's when announcements kind of start and uh, then then we go. So it's uh I I I'd say a long day, but it's really not that big a deal. You start at 4 and you're done by 9:30 probably for a typical Bulls game. Uh, for the Bears, it's you know for a noon kick, it's you get there at ten a.m. and you're out by three thirty. So uh, most of these are five to six hour kind of kind of days, but um, you're always tired when they're over.
0: I was going to say, and the fans, I, I'm learning this doing camera work too, is the fans don't realize how much work there is in a setup and a teardown, and how much goes in behind the scenes that before a game, a sporting event. And I, I'm learning that right now.
1: Yeah, there are so many people that that make those days possible, whether it's guys like you who are running camera or floor directors or people who are just cleaning things out uh, before and after, you know, so there's just a million different moving parts. And um, it's everybody's got to do their part for it to work, which is kind of the fun part of it all.
0: It's truly a team effort. That's the way I look at it.
1: Yeah, absolutely is. And it's just fun to be a part of that.
0: Definitely. And I just got a couple more quick questions for you. What was it like, Tim, being chosen to do uh, big sporting events like uh, the 21 NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament and to do the uh, 2020 and 2022 NBA All-Star Games and also being a voice on the NBA 2K22 video game?
1: I mean, it's nothing I never would have dreamt of, really. It's, you know, just fun parts of of the job that have popped up very unexpectedly. you know, I guess I always kind of hoped I would get a chance to do an NCAA tournament game. The weird thing in this case was they were all held in Indianapolis. And so because of that, they needed just a few people who could be there for most all of it because they had three or four arenas going. So I was at Lucas Oil, the Colts football stadium, and up until the final four, I did all the games. So it was I do 12, 14, 15 games is a lot. Uh, including all four of the games uh, in the elite eight round for the teams that were going to the final four. And I don't think that's ever happened where one person's done all of them because they're usually all in different cities. Um, So that was a lot of fun. Uh, The all-star opportunities were, you know, that's, that's sort of a, for me, a, validation that I'm I'm doing a good job you know they could pick any of the 30 to do uh the all-star game and the two that they've had a chance to pick someone Atlanta was different during COVID um because of you know some of the rules and restrictions but the year before and the year after that they've uh, allowed me to do it which has been a a gigantic honor so and the same thing with 2k22 just it's an honor it's a validation of a job well done and uh, I'm appreciative for sure
0: I was going to say video games have come a long way since I grew up in the seventies and eighties to now.
1: Oh yeah. It's, it's like actual game. Like sometimes when my kids are playing, I got a double take because it's so lifelike it. It's amazing how they do it. And the announcers and the PA guys are all ones who actually do the games now. And so it looks and feels very, very real. And it's obviously big business.
0: Okay. And, uh, this one I wanted to ask you. Uh, thoughts on on the 21-22 Bulls so far and uh, how do you feel about the 2022 Bears uh, going into this season with a new head coach and do you think Justin Fields from Ohio, Ohio State is a long-term solution for the Bears quarterbacking?
1: Well, with the Bulls this year, I think if you told... I, I remember being asked before the season started, so what's, what's your ceiling of where they're going to be? And I, I said they would be 47 and 35 uh, with a a high end of a four seed. Um, And that was like best case scenario. And most of the year they've been one, two, or three um, with a a record that's trending beyond what I would have even thought as the high end. So, you know, I think there are some people who are frustrated with how the second half of the season's gone, but overall – I think we're just raising expectations because things started better than we ever dreamed they would. And so I'm thrilled with how the season's gone. I'd love to get through a couple rounds of playoffs and see what happens. And I think that's possible, especially if we get the whole team back and um, been so many pleasant surprises with Demar, with IO um, you know, there's just been a lot of great storylines as for the bears. Uh, I, I don't know a ton about uh, Eber flus other than, You know, the very basics of where he came from and the style of play he wants to, you know, incorporate everything I've seen and heard seems to be positive, but I I don't haven't been around him or or seen anything yet to, to Direct me one way or the other. Uh, Justin Fields has all the talent in the world. I mean, he's he's incredible, and um, I think if he gets in a system that fits uh, what he uh, likes to do, what his strengths are, I do think he could be a long-term solution in Chicago. And that's something that the Bears really haven't had the luxury of in quite some time. So I'm excited to see how this season plays out.
0: I was gonna say, and uh, they, have, I to me, it's been since the '80s since they had a quarterback, uh, Jim McMahon, Doug Flutie uh jim harbaugh was not bad as well but i think like you said having a franchise quarterback is the first step to having a successful franchise in the nfl
1: yeah agreed and uh you know if you already have him in house on a rookie deal then that allows you to surround him with some other really good pieces so hopefully that'll be the case
0: definitely i got to put you on the spot uh who's your pick for the 2022 men's march madness basketball tournament
1: Uh, When I filled out my bracket, I picked Gonzaga and they're actually still in it. So I'm going to go, I'm going to roll with that. Um, I was hoping some more big 10 teams might make it. um, But obviously we still got Purdue and Michigan. So we'll sort of see how they do. I was hopeful that Illinois would be one of them, but uh, obviously they lost uh, last weekend. Um, So I'm going to say Gonzaga uh, and, and we'll see what happens. It feels like Mark, Mark few is, is definitely due with all the success he's had without winning a championship. So, um, I'll I'll go with that pick,
0: and I'm I'm gonna go with Michigan. I know they weren't even supposed to get to the Sweet Sixteen. I'm a Michigan Wolverines fan, so I'm gonna go the underdogs. And this is what I love about this tournament: is anybody can be beaten on any given any given night.
1: Yep, and you get hot, win six in a row, all of a sudden you got yourself a national championship. So.
0: Definitely. And uh, this one I wanted to ask you quickly, just quickly, what's your prediction for the 2022 NBA finals and who do you think uh, is coming out of the Eastern conference? You've already mentioned that DeMar DeRozan, how he's fit in well with Chicago.
1: Yeah. I've, I said at the beginning of the year, I thought it would probably be um, out of the West. I would take uh, Phoenix.
0: Absolutely.
1: But out of the East, I think at the beginning of the year, I would have said Milwaukee or Brooklyn. But now, gosh, I, it feels like it could be any number of six or seven teams. I obviously hope it's the Bulls. That would be amazing. Um, but I, I do think Milwaukee and uh, Philly specifically present some very unique problems for the Bulls that's currently constructed. Um, so I, I guess if I had to pick, I would say Milwaukee. But which I know would be a repeat of last year. but
0: Yeah, you got to go with the champs until somebody knocks it yeah, off. But right. you and know what? It would be nice to see Chicago because it's been, what, 24 years now.
1: It's been entirely too long, entirely too long.
0: Absolutely, and it's like with the Pistons too. We haven't been back to the NBA Finals since 05, and it's now been going on 16 years. So when you get to the NBA Finals, you just don't know when you're going to get back there now.
1: Yeah, it's hard to do, really hard to do.
0: Definitely. Um, uh, last question. I wanted to let you go, Tim. Sorry, I probably kept you too long. But, oh, you're um, all good. Okay, good. Um, I was going to say, uh, any advice for those looking to pursue a career in radio? Public address announcing like my friend Aaron Sanders. Actually, I hope one day he'll be on TV here. He's really good. And he does public address announcing and play-by-play. And uh, where can my audience uh, reach you on social media and your website? And uh, can you just tell us a little bit about uh, the companies you, uh, you're a CEO of? Tech companies.
1: Sure. So, uh, anybody pursuing a career, we talked a little bit about this earlier. Is work every chance you get? Um, schooling is important, but it's not the most important in many cases, especially if it's a non-technical job. If it's performance-based, the more you can perform, uh, the the better off you're going to be. So, if you get a chance to do an overnight shift at a radio station, or you know whatever it is. Um, take those opportunities and don't feel like anything is beneath you. Uh, you got to start somewhere and you'll meet people that you never thought you'd meet who, if they see you willing to, you know, being willing to work hard and, and do a decent job that you'll get more opportunities. Uh, as far as social media for me, Tim J Sinclair is pretty much my handle everywhere. It's scrolling across the screen. It's my website, but it's also for uh tick tock, Twitter, uh, Instagram, all of that. Okay. The- the companies uh, I I work with, I actually started Ringer back in 2014, and the idea was sort of to create conversations like this and make them sound great. That it's not video based; it's just for audio. So high end audio podcast or or broadcast where people want to interview somebody and have great quality. That's what Ringer is for. It's R I N G R com If you're looking for that. And then we've just launched a new product called Stump, um, which essentially is a social media platform exclusively for audio. So you can sort of create your own audio content, whether it's just you or inviting three or four friends to join you, uh, kind of mini podcast like. And then it's just like Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or any of the others where you have friends, you post things to your wall, you can see what they've posted. It's just all audio based. And so GetStump.com is the website address for that, or you can uh, search for Stump on the App Store or Google Play.
0: Okay. I'm definitely going to have to check that out. And uh, like I said, I'm working on getting a voiceover for my opening intro. And uh, like I said, Tim, I'm always learning something new every day, doing podcasting or camera work. And I love that. Just learning new things all the time.
1: Yeah. It's been fun for me. I didn't intend to start a company or two companies, but um I was trying to solve a problem when I was working in radio and ended up Sort of starting a company in the process, so uh, I was learning something new. I learned a lot of some things new when it came to not just the creation of of the tool, but the creation of the company itself, and uh, it's been a fun ride for sure.
0: Okay, uh, just before I let you go, I had to ask you this: What jerseys do you have in the background? I see a soccer jersey and I see a Bulls jersey.
1: Yeah, that's the, uh, the an old Fire jersey right over my head there. Yeah, uh, signed by the team, and then Ayatsumu is next to that. I can get my head out of the way. Sorry.
0: No problem. Oh, number 12. Wow. Cool. Yeah.
1: And so that's an autographed I had a Sumo jersey. And then there's one next to it, which is a Mike Singletary jersey from the Bears.
0: Wow. Right. When I think of Chicago Bears, Mike, uh, Dick Buckus, Mike yep. Singletary, Walter Big King. Eyes. I was lucky enough. Uh, my late father back in 1985 took me to my first NFL game at the Pontiac Silverdome. And we got yep. to see the bears kill the lions 46 to 17 and, wow. uh, poor, poor Joel Ferguson, the lions quarterback got killed that day. And oh. I got to see Singletary and, 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 uh, uh, Ron Rivera and, uh, Jeff Fisher and Walter Payton, obviously, and and, yeah. and the refrigerator. So I was going to say, were you a Bears fan growing up, or were you a Lions fan?
1: Uh, kind of like the the Pistons Bulls thing. I started as a Lions fan and then transitioned once we moved to the state. But again, I've always cheered for the Lions. But you know, you're if you're a Lions fan, you know how that goes.
0: Okay, Uh, Tim, I'm going to let you go, but I just wanted to say, hey, thank you so much uh, for coming on live with CDP podcast today, and I really appreciate your time, and I always learn some new things from my guests all the time on here.
1: Uh, My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Tim, and we'll
0: keep in touch with you on social media. Sounds good. You too. Have a good night.
1: All right. Bye-bye.
0: Bye. Bye. Anyways, guys, I hope you enjoyed my podcast today. I was Tim St. Clair. He's the uh, public address announcer for the Chicago Bears, Bulls, Chicago Fire of the Major League Soccer League, and also uh, the Illinois uh, basketball team as well. Before I go, guys, uh, I'm just going to play a little clip of Tim's work as the Chicago Bulls public address announcer.
1: USC, number 11, Tamar DeRozan. From UCLA, a 6'6 guard, number 2, Lonzo Ball. The man in the middle, from USC in Montenegro, at 6'11, number 9, Nikonavu Chubbis. A 6'6 forward from UNLV, number five, Derek Jones Jr. And from UCLA, a 6'6 guard, number eight, Zach Levine.
0: Anyways, guys, that clip was courtesy of uh, NBC Sports Chicago. Again, I want to say thank you to my guest, Tim St. Clair, uh, for coming on Season 3, Episode 21 of Live with CDP uh, Podcast today. He's one of the better public address announcers in the NBA, the NFL, and Major League Soccer. You can check him out at timjstclair.com is his website. And you can also check him out on uh, Twitter. Uh, Just one sec, guys. I'm just going to find his Twitter here. He is on Twitter at Tim J St. Clair on Twitter and his website I already had down here for you guys. And if you want to check out Chicago Bulls, nba.com slash Chicago Bulls. The Bulls take on the New Orleans uh, Pelicans tonight as well. The Bulls right now are 42-30, and, and they're in fifth place in the Eastern Conference, uh, battling the Cavaliers and the Raptors for that number five seed. So, <clears throat> But I do agree with Tim. Uh, Phoenix should come out of the West, but the East, it could be Milwaukee, Chicago, Philadelphia, or Toronto. Brooklyn, I'm not so sure about, so... Anyways, um, I also guys just let you know, um, Live with CDP podcast, the audio version is downloaded to Google Podcasts, Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Spotify, CastBox, and LinkedIn as well. And I want to say thank you to everyone watching on my YouTube channel. Uh, Please hit the subscribe notification if you haven't. And also thank you to people watching on Facebook Live and on Twitter as well. And also, guys, you can check me out on TikTok, at Live with CDP. That's at Live with CDP on TikTok as well. And also, guys, you can follow me on these social media websites, uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, and also subscribe to my YouTube channel, like I mentioned before. And you guys, if you like to, you can follow me on LinkedIn under Chris Palme if you want to add me there. And if anybody wants to email me comments or concerns or questions, uh, cpalme19 at gmail.com dot com as well and also guys uh stream yard is the official live stream provider of live with cdp podcast so hard to believe 131 podcast shows now so um just to also let you guys know my next podcast i do have two podcasts next week but i've just got to confirm with my guests so right i'm going to put is next live with cdp podcast will be next week to be announced Uh, most likely on Saturday or Sunday. I have two more scheduled uh, for next week. I just got to find out the days and the times um, my guests can come on. So I will announce that as well. And also, guys, Chicago Bulls have also uh, ruled DeMar DeRozan out for the game today against the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, the Bulls are 16-20 away from the United Center, but <laughs> they're 26-10 and 10 at the United Center. So the Bulls are pretty solid at the United Center. They just have to work on the road uh, record as well. But I think they have a really good team as well. Uh, and also, guys, just before I let you go, uh, the Gulf Storm have three games this week. Uh, Friday night against the Kitchener Rangers at 7.30 at the Sleeman Center. Game is on Rogers TV. I was supposed to work that game, but I, uh, I'm i going to wait and see how I feel in the morning. So uh, it's kind of 50-50 if I'm going to work the game tomorrow, the camera operator or not. But it should be a good game against Guelph and Kitchener. And then Saturday night, they take on the Erie Otters in Erie, Pennsylvania. And then Sunday night at 7 o'clock, they're back home at the Sleeman Center against the uh, London Knights. So it's going to be a busy weekend for the Guelph Storm and Rogers TV with 3-3 and uh, for the Storm. And two games and three nights for uh, Rogers TV crew as well. So... Anyways, guys, uh, I'm going to call this a podcast show. But, again, I want to say thanks to Tim St. Clair for coming on live with CDP, And uh, I really appreciate it. I uh, learned a lot more from uh, Tim today. And uh, look forward to a couple more podcasts uh, next week. But I have to confirm, like I said, the dates and the times as well. So, uh, all right, guys. I hope everybody has a great night. And enjoys the uh, March Madness. There's four games going on tonight. Uh, the big one for me is Michigan and uh, Villanova at 7.29 p.m. Uh, Tip-off on TBS and most likely on TSN uh, here in Canada. Either TSN or Sportsnet. So uh, one of those stations will have it, but I'm looking forward to it. Michigan wasn't even supposed to get to the Sweet 16 as well. So All right. I, anyways, guys, uh, like I said, thanks for uh, listening and watching Live with CDP Podcast, Season 3, Episode 21. And we'll talk to you guys on the weekend on social media. And we'll look forward to a couple more podcast shows uh, next week with a couple more great guests. And one is got a huge Blue Jays uh, memorabilia uh, collection, uh, which I'm looking forward to uh, seeing uh, on my podcast show with this guy, uh, with this guest. All right. Uh, have a great night, guys. And go Blue. Go Michigan. And uh, enjoy the uh, NCA final uh, Sweet 16 uh, games tonight. And uh, hopefully I'll be at the arena tomorrow night. But if not, uh, hopefully next week. So, all right. Have a good night, guys. And we'll see you uh, next week for more live with CDP Podcast.